Father, we just thank you today for the goodness of your love and your grace in our lives. And Lord, we turn to your word right now and we ask you to open the eyes of our understanding that we would truly see who you've made us to be and the grace of what you have done for us through Christ Jesus. Father, help us to acknowledge what you've done in us because it gives us confidence and boldness to share what you've done in us. And Father, there are many of us in this room this morning in the sound of our vo- my voice, Lord, that are in bondage to, to works of the enemy. But Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy and to deliver us through, bo- who, through bondage all of our life, subject to bondage through the fear of death. Jesus is our champion. And Father, we ask you to open the eyes of our understanding to see what it is you've done for us in Christ, that we may walk out in the fullness of who you've made us to be and walk out this full partnership that you've called us to walk with you. For that I trust, Father, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart may be pleasing in your sight, and that may I speak only the oracles of God, that my heart may be lined up with your heart and your will today. And we ask you to give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation to receive what you have to say to us by your spirit today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Open your Bibles with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Christopher Alam was here last week. I trust you were blessed by him. I know I was. And he's always a blessing. He just, he, he walks in the miracles of God and he sees situations that we don't see just here. And it's just a tremendous blessing. But we were been, we've been on a series called Spirit, Soul, and Body. And I've taught this before. There are many good books out there. And, and the, but the purpose of this is very focused. The first purpose is to understand who we are, that we're made up of three parts. So here's our key scripture. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. That means set you apart from, every, from the world. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And what we've learned is the way God made us is in three parts. Spirit, soul, and body. And I've explained to you that there are many people in the body of Christ, many denominations that will teach you there are just two parts of us, body and soul. And I'm not going to argue with them. I'm not, it's not, you know, they can go to heaven and we can go to heaven, whichever you believe. This is not critical. But it is critical, I believe, in terms of walking in the fullness of what Christ has done for us. So I believe that what this verse teaches us is there's three parts to us. And it makes sense because God has three parts to Him. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And each of those parts has a different function, just as our spirit, soul, and body have a different function. And we've been made in God's image. Not only that, that this helps us to understand something that we will probably talk about, because the Bible tells us that when you come to Christ, you have been made the righteousness of God. Not you're in the process of it. You have been made the righteousness of God. And I always used to wonder, well, if I've been made the righteousness of God, how come I don't always act righteous? I hope I'm not the only one that since you came to Christ didn't always act righteous, have an unrighteous thought, an unrighteous word, and maybe even an unrighteous deed. How does that reconcile that? Well, this is what allows you to reconcile that. And we'll be talking about that. So what we're going to look at this morning, we've talked about there's two kingdoms that the world talks about. There's the spirit realm and there's this natural material realm. The spirit realm is the realm where God resides. God is a spirit. It is eternal. It never changes. Everything that exists in this natural material realm comes out of, came out of and comes out of that spirit realm. But, but, and that is, that is the, 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 but that's a realm 
that our senses cannot detect. In, in Genesis 1 says, in the beginning God created. And what we looked at is what God created was this natural material substance realm. And it is a realm that's based on our five senses, things you see, feel, touch, hear, or taste. And in a very simple definition is if, if you want to know which kingdom it comes from, if you're, any one of your five senses can detect it, it's of this natural material realm. So that, yeah, thank you. Those will work, I think. Yes, okay, thank you. The, 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 um, the, this natural material realm is, is, is the realm that God created. It is, it is temporary, which means it's going to have a beginning and have an end. It's changing. It's, it's always in the process of changing, and since the fall of man, most of that changing is downhill. If you leave something like a car in your park, in your, gar- in your driveway for 20 years and don't do anything to it, it's not going to look shinier and run better 20 years later. You probably won't even be able to drive it. It'll get rusty. Why? Because the, all of creation is under a curse, Romans chapter 8. So, so that's the natural material realm. Then the other realm is the spirit realm. That's a realm where God exists. That's a realm that... that, that um, that everything in this realm comes out of, and we're not going to go back over all of that. And I'm just reminding you of that, because when it comes to talking about these three parts, the last time we talked is you, can, you, you, are, you are part of both kingdoms. Your body is part of this natural material kingdom, and your spirit man is part of the kingdom of God, the, the spirit realm. And the problem is, and I had an example where I had, I think it was Tim up here, and I had uh, uh, somebody else up here, and, and I showed you the difference between the, the spirit, your spirit man is of the kingdom of, is of the spirit realm, and your physical body is of this natural realm, but because they can't connect with each other, because you, it takes your, your five senses, can only detect something in this realm, so your natural five senses cannot detect the spirit realm, unless God does something supernaturally. So your natural five senses cannot detect the part of you that's the spirit. In the same token, your spirit can't have direct contact with this natural material realm because they're in two different realms. In the, in one of the laws of physics is that two pieces of matter cannot occupy the same space at the same time. When they try to, it's called a fender bender. You get two cars trying to occupy the same space at the same time, it's an accident. They can't do that. But you can have a spirit occupying the same space as a body, and there's no conflict. This room is full of angels right now. I may even... I may have just passed my hand through an angel. And I can't tell because I can, but I can't tell if I'm running into this pulpit because my five senses tell me there's something there. It's very important to understand because when we understand being filled with the Spirit, how can that be? You're not going to feel it with your five senses because the Spirit on the inside of you is not of this natural material realm. And then we talked about the third part of you, which is your soul, which is the bridge between the two. It connects the spirit man inside of you with the physical man. And it's a bridge that connects those two. So that's what we talked about last time. What I want to begin to talk about tonight, 
today is those three parts. We're only going to spend a very brief time on this, on this body and the soul because we're so used to those. The body, we don't spend, need to spend much time at all. That's this physical, natural body. We're aware of it. We spend most of our time thinking about it, taking care of it, worrying about it, enjoying it, all the stuff we do. Most of our life is focused around this physical body. The Bible refers to it in a number of different terms. It'll call it flesh. It'll call it carnal. Carnal just comes from, from a, a, a Latin word, carne, which means meat. So carnal refers to your physical meat, your physical body. And so that's the part of you that's our body. We don't need to spend a lot of time. Your soul, which is this bridge, we don't need to spend a lot of time on because there's a particular focus to this message. And that's your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your mind, your will, and your emotions. It's basically your personality. It's the part of you that you're conscious of. It's the part of you that we know each other when we get to know each other and feel, you know, you know, I like you, you like me. I don't like you, you don't like me. Whatever it is, we really connect with people. Most of the time, that's our soul connecting. It's our personality connecting. So again, it's made up of three parts. Your mind, your will, and your emotions. And we'll talk down the road because each of these three parts of you, your body, your soul, and your spirit, each of them, each of them have a set, a set of senses. So your spirit can see things. Your soul can see things just as your body can see things. And that will become very important because we're laying a foundation here because where we're going with this is to help you learn how to live a victorious life. Because the victory that Christ paid for you is not in your body, it's in your spirit. And the key is how, learning how to get that victory from the inside to the outside. But to do that, we have to understand who this spirit man is and how to relate to him. And that's really what this, what this is all about. So mainly what our focus is going to be is on the spirit man. This is the most important part of the three of you. Because the body's going to pass away sometime. Your soul is connected to your spirit, but your spirit is the eternal part of you. Your soul is eternal too. Uh, this is the real you. This is the real you. This is a little hard to grasp because the part of us that we're the most conscious of is our soul. And the next part we're the most conscious of is our body. So we're very little conscious of our spirit man which is why we struggle. Because everything God does for us, everything God does with us, and everything God wants to do through us is done through the spirit man. And since we're so little, so we're not very conscious of him, we're not in tune with him, and in many ways he's very weak inside of us, there's not, we're not flowing, we're, we're, let's put it this way, we're operating like the world. Paul talks to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He says, don't you understand? The things that you're doing mean you're acting like mere men. And, and, and God's design is never for the church to act like mere men and mere women. Because you're not a mere person. One third of you is God. I'll say that over here. One third of you, one third of you is God. Is God a failure? 
You're not very convinced of that. Is God a failure? No. Is God weak? No. Is God panicked by what's going on in the world? No. Is God full of peace? Yes. Is God full of joy? Yes. Well, one third of you is all that. And there's much that depends upon that. Much for what God wants to do in your life, in your family, what God wants to do in this church and through this church depends on the revelation and understanding of who we are in Christ. And the devil, through fear and circumstances and carnality, just getting us so focused on this, this life that's only a hand's breadth, most of us are living a, a, a watered-down, weak life so that the world can see no difference between the body of Christ and them. Otherwise, they'd flock to us. They'd flock to us. It's interesting, back in 9-11, suddenly the churches were filled. But they're not filled today. Why? Because when the people came in in the world, they didn't see anything very much different than they were. We're called to be witnesses of Him. Witnesses of Him, of who He is. Oh, this is good. Not witnesses of what He believes. Not witnesses of His doctrine. Witnesses of Him, who He is. And we try to imitate who He is without walking in who we are. So the real you is this spirit man. This is the part of you that was born again. Go with me to Ezekiel chapter 36. This is the Old Testament prophecy of it. Ha, ha, ha. I love what Pastor Kurt said. I'm going to take a little side journey here. My wife and I have this practice we go through when things get difficult or one of us gets starting to get discouraged and, you know, circumstances start bearing in on you. Is well, one of us will look at them and go, ha, ha, ha. I don't feel like going, ha, ha, ha. But just go, ha, ha, ha. And she'll go, ha, 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 back to me. The next thing we're going, ha, 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 together. Do you know how, how mad that gets the devil? I mean, just to laugh at him. Takes his best shot at you, and you stand there and go, ha, 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 ha. None of you look at me like I fell off the stairs. Try it. There's a verse somewhere that says God sits in the heaven and laughs. And it's not just at us. There's a, it says that in the end, this is a, some, some of you need this today. In the end, when all of this is wrapped up, Satan's going to be thrown in the lake of fire and the rulers of the earth are going to stand around and laugh at him and say, this is the one that tormented the world? Oh, you didn't get that. So you know what you need to do sometime when you're just, you know, everything's overwhelming? Pull your Bible out and say, I want to read to you the end of the book. You're telling me what's going to happen. Let me tell you what's going to happen. In fact, you're not that smart anyway, because you had it made in heaven. And you got kicked out. 
very unceremoniously. Jesus said, I saw him fall like lightning from heaven. You had it made and you blew it. You're not that smart. I'm not going to listen to you. You know, you need to talk to him. I wasn't taught that in law school. When I was raised, they didn't believe in the devil. But Jesus talked to him. The Bible, you better know he's out there. And you're in a war against him, so you better fight back. And you fight with the words of your mouth. Just laugh at him. Ha, ha, ha. Discouragement's contagious, but you ever notice laughter's contagious? Get around people. I don't know what they're laughing about, but I just want to laugh. Oh, hallelujah. Ezekiel 36. This is prophesying about the new birth. Verse 25. God says, Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. And I will... Notice God's doing this. And I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. And I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you And I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh. Now, what is stone? A stone is hard. It's not tender. It doesn't have sensitivity to it. It's not open to change. It's just, it's a rock. It is hard. And, And God is saying here, I'm going to take that heart that was like a stone in you that wasn't sensitive to me, that wasn't sensitive to the things of God, that didn't care, It was just hard. Boy, that's where I was when I got saved. My heart was hard. It was was like stone. And and the Spirit of God, through a series of events, began to soften that and break it down. I remember one night when God was dealing with me over a period of time. And by dealing with me, I don't mean my mind, just working in my heart. I didn't understand what was going on. See, I like to be in control. I like to be... No, I'm not the only one. I like to understand things. I like to figure things out. I like to know when the service is going to start. I like to know when the service is going to end. That's why you come to first service, isn't it? You think I don't know. Well, I was one of you once too. It's got to end by 1030. We like to be in control. God began through His Spirit to break that hardness down in me. And I don't want to get off and spend a lot of time on this, but, but, but it shows you how God works. He has to work around my mind because my mind's going to try to understand it, and then my understanding gets in His way. And I remember walking into a Christmas Eve service. We had two small kids at the time. They're our oldest now. And, and, and my wife was home getting the final touches. for. It was like a, a, like a 10 o'clock service. And I walk in to this service church I was a deacon in and if, I, if anybody was saved in that church they did a good job of hiding it and, and, and it was a stone building and I walk into it as a candlelight service and I walk in because I was late and it's sitting down in the back and I'm sitting and they're playing music I don't remember anything was going on I just know something's welling up in me and the next thing you know I'm starting to cry now I don't cry I didn't cry 
And that crying begins to get stronger and stronger and stronger. And now I'm starting to lose it. I mean, I'm not just crying. I'm beginning to sob. I'm losing it. And I ran out the back door, got in my car with my eyes full of tears. Fortunately, it wasn't very far. Drove home, burst in the door, and I fell apart. And my wife, what in the world's happened? I had no idea what was happening to me. And I'm sharing that with you because it was the Spirit of God breaking down the walls of my heart, the hardness of my heart trying to get in. And that's what he's talking about here. I'll take out of you that heart of stone. You can't do that. He's got to do that. And then I will put in you a heart of flesh. Flesh is tender. It's sensitive. It's open. It's a new heart. He's talking about the new birth here. And I will give you a heart of flesh, verse 27. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and you will do them. In the Old Testament, the law of God, the demands of God were written on stone. But God's plan was, and it's here, but it's also in, uh, in several places in, in uh, Hebrews, it's in Romans, it's in Romans 8. God said, I, I put my law now in your heart. See, God put His Spirit in you. When you're born again, well, let's go over there and look at this. Let's go to John chapter 3, which is the New Testament version of this. And this is Jesus saying this. And this is the story where Nicodemus, one of the Pharisees who believed in Him but didn't understand certain things, comes to Him at night. It's known as Nick at Night. Uh, it's a cheap shot, forgive me. And Jesus, we don't have a chance to get into this, but, but Nicodemus says, you know, we know that you must come from God because no one else can do the things that you did unless you come from God. Verse 3, Jesus answered and said to him, it's interesting if you go back and look, where was the question? Several places. It says, Jesus answered. And I'll go looking back, well, okay, if he's answered, what was the question? I didn't find a question. That means there was a question in Nicodemus' heart that he didn't express, but Jesus knew the question, and he answers the question. I don't know about you, but that reassures me when I pray. You don't have to get your prayers just right. You don't have to express your needs and your desires just the right way because God knows what you need before you ask. God knows your heart. He knows what your questions are, even the ones you don't have. And He'll answer what you're really asking. Oh, you're not... This is good stuff. Verse 3, Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God. Now, I'm getting ahead of myself, but he's not talking about seeing it with these eyes. He's talking about knowing it and seeing it, experiencing, entering to the kingdom of God. That's heaven. So Jesus is answering the real issue of Nicodemus' heart, which is how do you get into heaven? How do you get into this kingdom of God? And Jesus says in order to get into the kingdom of God, you must be born again. Now, the word again has two meanings to it. Again obviously means a second time. Because if you do something again, that means you've already done it once. 
So he's talking about a birth that's a second birth. Everybody with me? You can count to two, can't you? Okay, first birth, second birth. But the word again in Greek also means from above. So Jesus is saying here, in order to enter the kingdom of God, the family of God, heaven, you have to experience a second birth, and this birth is from above. Now he's explaining a very powerful and important spiritual truth to a man of God. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was educated. He was trained in the, in the, in the, in the Torah, in the Old Testament, and he couldn't understand it because it's something that was spiritually discerned. So here is his answer, verse 4. And Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he's old? In other words, how can a man be born a second time when he's old? How can a man, how can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? So what Nicodemus' understanding of what Jesus is teaching him is that in order to have this second birth, it's got to be like the first birth. You've got to go back up into your mother's womb and come back out again, because that's what a birth is. It's coming out of your mother's womb. Now Jesus has to explain to him, that's not the birth I'm talking about. Now I'm walking through this one step at a time, because it's very important for the foundation we're laying. Much of this, many of you are aware of, but we need to be called back to it. So just walk this out with me. Because you may see something you haven't seen before or see something you've seen before at a different level. So here's Jesus' answer. Verse 5. Jesus answered and said, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now let me break this down. Unless one is born of water, birth number one, and born of the Spirit, birth number two, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So now Jesus is explaining these two births are from two different kingdoms. The first birth is from the kingdom of this natural world, this material realm, which we've already talked about. But this second birth has to be a birth it's out of and comes from this realm of existence called the spirit realm. Everybody with me so far? Okay. Two births. To get into heaven, the first birth has to be the birth of this natural realm. The second birth has to be a birth of this spirit realm. And now he's got to explain to him a little bit about what this difference is and why it's a little hard to understand it. Verse 6. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Now that just seems very obvious. That which is born of the flesh is flesh? Yeah, of course. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Okay, duh, I got that part. But Jesus, you know, Jesus didn't just say things that were duh. Everything Jesus said was profound. So if this just looked like, yeah, of course, we're missing something. Because what Jesus is saying here 
is there is an eternal difference between what is of the flesh and what is of the Spirit. There's a huge divide between what is of the flesh and what is of the Spirit. And now he's going to explain this difference. Don't marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. In other words, stick with me, Nick. Now, in verse 8, it seems like he's giving a meteorological lesson. Because look what he says. The wind blows where it wishes. And you hear the sound of it. But you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. Now, we understand that. See, Jesus is using a natural, physical phenomenon that we're all aware of, so aware of that we don't think much about it unless it really starts blowing hard and we get a hurricane or some strong winds and limbs come down. But most of the time when it's just, you know, my wife and I were sitting out on our back porch yesterday after, you know, kind of a warm day and ate ate supper back there and just enjoying this beautiful light breeze coming by. We've got a nice gardenia plant there and the beautiful gardenia aroma was blowing. Just enjoying that breeze, not thinking much about it. But Jesus is saying the wind blows where it wishes. And you hear the sound of it, but you can't tell where it's from and where it goes. What's this talking about here? If you, you, you cannot see the wind with your natural eyes. So you can't say in a, in a storm, uh-oh, I see it coming. I better duck down and hide here because the wind's coming from that direction. So it, you can't tell where it's coming from until you feel it. Right? Otherwise you duck and get out of the way if it was a strong wind. But you know it's there even though you can't see it because you can feel it. This is a very important lesson on faith. I never taught it this way before. Jesus is saying, the wind exists, but you can't see it. But just because you can't see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist because you can tell it's been there. A week or so ago, we had a storm come through and I got up in the morning. I didn't hear the storm, but I knew we'd had a storm because I had some branches down. So I said to my wife, boy, the wind must have blown last night. How do I know that? I don't know it because I saw the wind. I know it because I saw the effects and the results of the wind told me that the wind was there. Everybody following me? Now remember, Jesus is talking about this, this, this being born again, and he's trying to show Nicodemus that he's not talking about a physical birth again. He's talking about a birth in the realm that your senses can't detect. And what he's saying is, Nicodemus, what I'm talking about is very real, just like the wind's real. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. But you can see the effects of it. You can see the results of this birth when it takes place. Amen? There ought to be some change. If the kingdom of God has been born inside of you, there ought to be some results of that showing up on the outside. There ought to be some limbs down. So the evidence to our natural senses that this birth has taken place is there some change that's occurred. 
so is it for everyone who's born of the Spirit. Now that does not mean that people that are born of the Spirit blow where they wish and nobody can tell where they're coming and going. Because I think sometimes we think to be led by the Spirit means, Ooh, I just don't know what's going to happen. Well, the Spirit's just leading me to do this. And the Spirit's leading me to do this. A lot of times that is, oh, Pastor, the Spirit led me here. And three weeks later, when I didn't do what used them the way they wanted me to do, the Pastor, the Spirit's leading me on. No comment. So the birth that's taken place in you when you come to Christ, Jesus took your old spirit man, because your spirit is who you are, your nature. He took your old spirit man out and put a brand new spirit man in you. We're not going to turn there, but First John, oh, no, the first chapter of John talks about that Jesus came unto his own, and his own, that was the Jews, they knew him not. They didn't recognize him. But to as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, born not of blood, which is natural stuff, nor of the will of man, which is the desire to have a child, nor of the flesh, which is the act of, that produces your body, but born of God. And that little Greek word of is the word ek, which means out of God. So I'm going through this whole exercise to explain to us that when you came to Christ, when you called upon Him, when you received Him, the Spirit of God came in you, took your old nature out. Ephesians chapter 2 talks about that nature. It says, we were dead in our sins and transgressions. Dead means separated from God, spiritually. And we were walking according to the course of this world, which is the, 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 the way the world walks, and were by nature children of wrath. Sinners commit sin because it's their nature to sin. Because the root of all sin is self. And the very nature of fallen man is Self, which is why the theme song in hell, I believe, sung by Frank Sinatra, I did it my way. I wonder how that's working for him now. That was our nature. And Ephesians 2 says, God came in and took that nature out and gave you a brand new nature, born from above, so that your body, this first birth, all of its tendencies come from those that produce that body, your mother and your father. So your genetic, their genetic codes that were combined when their sperm and their cell came together comprised who you are in your body. And when God's Spirit came to you and conceived in you a brand new spirit, 
it took on the DNA of that Father, which is your Father in heaven. Everybody with me so far? Okay. Now the Bible refers to this new man in you in several different terms. Over in Ephesians, we're not going to turn there, Ephesians 4.24, Colossians 3.10, refers to him as the new man. So it says it talks about putting off the old man and putting on the new man. Notice it doesn't say get the new man, put him on. This morning I went down in my closet and I pulled out this brown suit and I put it on. The only reason I could put it on is I already had it. I couldn't put on a blue seersucker suit because I don't have one. So I could only put on what I have. So when Paul tells us to put on the new man, he's not saying get him. He's saying start acting like who you are. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it talks about if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Literally in the Greek, that means a new species of being that's never existed before. That's your spirit man. That's your spirit man. Verse 21 says, He who knew no sin, that's Jesus, became sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The part of you that became righteous is the spirit man. Okay. Now let's talk about what is this spirit man? What's it like inside of you? 1 Corinthians 6, verse 17. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 17. But he who is joined to the Lord, look at this. We're not going to turn there, but Ephesians 2 says we were raised up with him and seated with him in Christ. Chapter 1 talks about a whole bunch of things God did for us in Christ. So what happened is when you came to Christ, the Spirit of God joined you to Him. John chapter 17, Jesus' high priestly prayer. He prays to the... How many believe that Jesus' prayers get answered? Some of you aren't so sure. He prayed that we might be one with the Father the same way He's one with the Father, that we might be one with Him and He might be one with us, and get this one, and in the same way, we might be one with each other. Now, I'm looking out at all of you, and I can tell you this much, we're not one after the flesh. Because I see many different colors after the flesh, many different ages after the flesh, many different sizes after the flesh, all kinds of differences. So what made us one isn't this flesh, it's the spirit man on the inside of us. Which is why you can meet someone for the first time and feel immediately close to them, even though you don't know much about them, because the same spirit that lives in them is joined to the spirit that lives in you. And this is where the church is failing. We're trying to get this unity, and you're not going to get this unity without getting this unity. Okay, so when he says, but he who's been joined to the Lord, that's us. We're joined to him 
is one spirit with Him. So the way we're joined to Him is the same spirit that lives in Him lives in me. And the same spirit that lives in Him lives in you. Now we're going to get a little logic here. If the same spirit that lives in Him lives in me, and the same spirit that lives in Him lives in you, therefore by logic, the same spirit that lives in me lives in you. My my Ephesians 4 talks about preserving the bond of unity. Preserving it. So this spirit man in us is joined to Christ and is one with Him. It's going to get better. Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 1. Oh, this is good stuff. You may not need to hear this, but this is good for me. Grace and peace... How many could use some grace and peace? Grace and peace be multiplied to you. How? Through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. And this is what the knowledge is. As His divine power, God's divine power has given to us, not will when we get to heaven, all things. Say all things. things. Now, the Greek word all things means all things has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. That pertain to the life of God and the godliness of God. How has He given it to us? How does it become real? Through the knowledge of Him who has called us by glory and by virtue. So it's as we gain knowledge of Him and what He's done for us, then this power of His life inside of us and of His godliness comes to the outside. Verse 4. By which we has, by which have been, have been, have been, sitting right now in that blue chair, you have this. Have been given exceedingly great and precious promises. Well, where are they? They're in this book. Exceedingly great and precious promises that through these, through your growth in awareness of and acceptance of these promises, God's divine power that has brought into you His life at the level he lives it, and his godliness, I've never taught it this way before, that power is in you now. That life is in you now. That godliness is in you now. How do we get that to the outside? Through the precious promises we may become partakers, experiencers of, enjoyers of, the divine... You get with the, the divine nature. 
You know what divine means? God's. That we might become partakers of it. Not receive it. You've already received it. Partakers mean enjoying in it. Walking in it. Experiencing in it. Allowing it to move through us and out of us to touch the lives of other people. This is it because we've not renewed our mind to what God's put in us by these exceedingly great and precious promises. So our job, we're going to learn it, is to take these promises, renew our mind to them, begin to act on them, and then what we'll find is this divine nature. God's nature will begin to flow out of us. Galatians chapter 5. Getting anything out of this? Oh, I am. There's a whole bunch in here we're going to come back to about walking in the Spirit. But we need this background. Verse 22. What he's already talked about here is he's talked about, you know, we've been set free by Christ. But don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. And then he talks about the battle between the flesh, this body, and the spirit. We're going to talk about that. And then he talks about how to recognize the difference because he talks about the works of the flesh. Envy, strife, jealousy, all that bad stuff. And now he's going to, by contrast, talk about the fruit of the spirit. Now, let's stop a second. We don't have much time. There's a difference between a work of something and the fruit of something. It's very important. A work is something you have to exert energy to produce. Right? So if you have to go weed your garden, that's work. You, that's not going to happen sitting in your kitchen looking out the window at your garden sipping iced tea. You're going to have to get out there or get somebody out there and you're going to have to exert some effort. You're going to have to exert some work. This beautiful little gardenia plant that our daughter-in-law gave my wife for Mother's Day produces these beautiful, fragrant gardenia blossoms. And I've kind of taken it under my wings because I've killed a number of these things and I want to see if I could get this one. And this one's prospering. And I'll see a bud begin to come out. And all i got to do is water it. Get it in the right atmosphere, which is some humidity. and We've had that lately. And pretty soon this little bud begins to open up and a blossom comes out. And I've never yet, sitting out on my back porch, while this is going on, heard, Was that hard work? Because, the, listen carefully, oh, this is, oh, this is good. The fruit of something comes out of its nature. One of the ways we can tell what kind of tree it is, Jesus said, 
you shall know them by their fruit. Because the natural product of the nature is the fruit. And you've heard me use this example before when we have an altar call that we have an apple tree in our front yard. Not that healthy, but we have one. And when it used to produce apples, somebody driving by could tell it's an apple tree. But if I wanted to change it into a pear tree and I go to the store and try to glue pears on the branches, if somebody can't recognize the leaves and the bark, they may look at it and say, oh, it's a pear tree. Until the first time we get the wind coming through and the pears are going to fall off because they didn't come out of the tree. It wasn't the tree's nature to produce pears. It was the tree's nature to produce apples. So the reason the verses earlier talk about the works of the flesh is that the work is different than the fruit of the Spirit. And most of us are trying to produce the fruit of the Spirit by work. got to try harder to walk in love. Oh, I got to try harder to be at peace. You ever notice the harder you try to be at peace, the less peaceful you are? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Keep going. Verse 23. I got it here. Gentleness, self-control, against such there is no law. That's in you now. That's God's nature. And God's nature is in you because you've been born of Him. You're His child. You have His nature. And His nature is love, joy, peace, the fruit of the Spirit. I want to end with this story. I love I wish this well, in one way I wish it was my testimony in another way I'm glad it's not and I understand we've, we've had a situation we've talked about this morning where we shared about the loss of a child but I want to show you a potential here so I'm trusting that, that people will understand and it's not my intention to stir up bad memories but I want you to see what the potential is there's a ministry I've been listening to that's walking in this at a level that I'm, I want to get to and this man and woman got the call you never want to get, which is your child is dead. And they were rushing to the, to, to, to the place, which turned out it was the morgue. And on the way there, I heard this man testify. He said, I could feel all the emotions of grief and of panic flooding my mind. My emotions, flooding my emotions. Now, we're going to learn your emotions are part of your soul, not your spirit. Thoughts flooding your mind, your mind is part of your soul, it's, and that's not who you are. It's part of your spirit. But he'd been building himself up in these things. He'd been meditating on these things. And he said, I'm there and I can feel this. And then these thoughts were coming to me. You're entitled to feel this way with what's happened. And all of a sudden he realized, wait a minute, those are emotions and thoughts that are in my soul 
That's not what's in my spirit man. What's in my spirit man is love, joy, peace. I'm going to choose as an act of my will to draw on the well of my spirit man and my spirit nature because it's God's nature and God's power that's inside of him. The moment I made that decision, he said, the grief left. I'm not condemning. I couldn't do this at this point. But I want to show you what's possible. So I turned to my wife and I said, we're about to see the greatest miracle you've seen so far. She thought, she said, she thought I was crazy. They arrive there and find out that their son is in a morgue, naked with a toe tag, in the cooler. Five hours. Now, now what's going off in him is the life of God. The power of God. He's now seeing this situation through God's eyes, not through his natural understanding. Everybody with me so far? I'm just sharing this to show you what's the potential. I don't remember the details, but as they pulled this drawer out, he spoke to his son dead five hours, and he sat up. Took a breath of life, and he's alive and well today in his sound mind. That didn't happen because he heard a sermon like this and went home and said, boy, I'm going to go down to the hospital and pull everybody off, you know. No, he spent time renewing his mind to who he was on the inside. But there came a point where he had to make a choice. All the emotions, all the thoughts were pouring in on him as it happens in a crisis. And they were real. And in his mind they were justified. And there's no condemnation for anybody, which is what I would have done, and just say, but what we're talking about is the potential because of who it is that lives in us and of what he can do. And when he made the choice, that's not who I am on the inside. I'm not going to let that in. Uh, we don't have time today. I've shared some of this before. But I've been in situations in a courtroom where suddenly things turned quickly upside down and I was in a mess and a crisis. My mind panicking and like the things falling apart in front of me. And in one case, I was going to be in trouble because I'd made a mistake. And what I learned to do is to push that away and listen in here. And in each one of those three cases, the Spirit of God on the inside of me told me what to do. And in each one of those cases, an impossible situation in the natural completely turned around and victory was won. Not because I was so smart, but I'd learned to listen inside of us. This is who you are. This is the potential the church has. This is what, when Paul says, I didn't come to you with enticing words of man's wisdom, but I come to you in the demonstration and the power of the Holy Ghost. 
This is the witness the world needs to see out there. In a time when things are getting darker and scarier, I've told you before, we're here for such a time as this. But in order to be who we're supposed to be, we can't think like the world, we can't feel like the world, we can't talk like the world, we can't act like the world. We've got to simply do what Paul says, think, talk, and act like who we are. But to do that, we have to know who we really are. We have to know who we really are. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Who you used to be passed away. And all things, not in your life, not in your finances, all things in terms of who you are, all things in terms of who you used to be, have passed away. And all those new things, verse 18 says, are of that's that little word ek again, out of God. I could go in so many directions here, but we've got to bring it to a close. It's quiet in here now. Because I believe what God wants to do is to wake us up. Not, he's not angry at us, because I'm not there either. This I'm going through is showing me where I really am. And I'm not in some places where I thought I was. But you know, the wonderful thing about that is God knows where you really are. We're the ones that don't know where we really are. And as long as we think we're somewhere we're not, then God can't come to where you think you are. God can only come to where you really are, so we've got to find out and admit where we really are. Now God can work with us. But if we want to pretend we're somewhere we're not, that's called pride. And if we're doing out of ignorance, that's just being stupid. And we're all there. But God wants to show us where we really are so He can come to where we really are and take us where He really wants to take us. Amen? Everybody with me? All right. Praise God. Did you begin to see this? The potential. The potential. You see why the devil works so hard for you to keep your eyes on your problems. As Pastor Kirk talked about this. This isn't working right. How am I going to pay this bill? How am I going to... Do you know in the space of eternity none of this stuff means anything? And eternity is in you now. We've got to stop. Father, we thank you. We ask you to take the things that we've heard this morning and begin to minister them to us. Open the eyes of our understanding of their inner man that we would see the hope of your calling for our life that's in Christ Jesus. Father, meet us where we are, but show us from your word the potential of you living inside of us. In Jesus' name, amen.